0: J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number 1 in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on Sleep Number Limited Edition smart beds for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. This is CNN Breaking News.
1: Welcome to a special edition of The Lead. I'm Caitlin Collins, in for Jake Tapper. And we begin this July 4th holiday with our national lead and breaking news on the latest deadly mass shooting in America. Authorities say at least six people have been killed and at least another two dozen have been taken to the hospital with serious injuries in the city of Highland Park, Illinois, a suburb about 25 miles north of Chicago. It started when a 4th of July parade in the city's downtown area came to a halt after multiple shots were fired. Witnesses describe a chaotic and horrific scene with terrified adults and children running for their lives, leaving camping chairs, strollers, and shoes behind. An employee at a nearby gas station says about 20 parade-goers ran and sheltered inside as shots rang out, while others hid behind dumpsters and underneath cars. The gunfire started just 14 minutes after the parade began as a band was playing. Pictures from the massacre show multiple victims lying in the street with blood on them As first responders arrived on the scene, here's how one witness described what they saw. A little bit
2: after the um, band went through, we hear and probably heard 50 rounds in total, at least. Um, Everyone thought it was fireworks. Everyone's like, oh, fireworks. Or, you know, the military people had just gone through with the shotguns. And I was like, something's wrong. I grabbed my dad and started running. All of a sudden, everyone behind us started running. I looked back, probably 20 feet away from me, I saw a girl shot and killed. The girl I've heard on the news with in blood, saw her die. Um, I've never seen anything like this. Uh, we hid behind a dumpster for about an hour and then the police got us into Uncle Dan's Sporting Goods where we hid in the basement. There were people that we were hiding with. One man had been shot in the head, like his ear, he was bleeding all over his face. Um, he was just like, I'm just happy that's all that happened. There was another girl that got escorted out, was shot in the leg. We went back to get our car keys and everything and we just saw the streets were quite littered. It looked like a battle zone and it's disgusting.
1: Authorities say the suspect is believed to have acted alone and he carried out the shooting spree from a nearby rooftop. A rifle has been recovered at the scene, but the gunman is still at large and residents are being urged to stay indoors as police say this does remain an active shooter situation with the suspect considered both armed and dangerous. No motive has been given for the attack, but officials say right now it still appears to be random. CNN's Adrian Broaddus is live on the scene in Highland Park, Illinois. And, Adrian, I know we just got an update from authorities. What did they say?
3: Kaylin, they say they are aggressively looking for the person who is responsible. We are along the parade route, the parade that never finished because of those shots that rang out. But if you look up, it is easy to notice this. On top of the building here in downtown Highland Park, snipers. They've been here for hours. It's been nearly five hours since those shots rang out that killed six people and injured dozens of others. I spoke with a young woman shortly after the shooting, and you just heard some of my conversation with her, Zoe. She says not only did she see that young lady lose her life along this parade route, she also described another man who she saw was shot in the ear. She says she saw another woman shot in her leg. She also talked about Running with her father, that's who she was here attending the parade with. They hid behind a dumpster, but she described meeting another family, a father who felt helpless, but the only safety he saw for his children, she says, was placing them inside of a dumpster. As he took off, he went to go look for other members of his family. He asked her to keep a watch over the children. She said it was the children who kept the adults calm in that moment, Caitlin.
1: It's a terrifying moment. And Adrian, what have police said about the suspect himself, given he's still at large, they haven't been able to find him yet? Have they described what he looked like or anything?
3: They've given a generic description of the suspect, describing him as someone between the age of 18 to 20 years old They say he is a white male with dark hair. They believe he is wearing a white or a blue shirt. And I say that suspect or that description is generic because there were no markers about this suspect identifying him. No birthmark, no tattoo, because just moments ago we saw a man here to our right who fit the suspect description. But after being questioned by police, it was determined he is not the person that was responsible for what happened here. Investigators aren't telling us a lot about their investigation, other than saying the suspect could be here in town, in Highland Park, or somewhere else. But at this hour, people are starting to show up. We've seen people show up asking members of law enforcement if they can take their belongings. You can see a lot of lawn chairs are still here, including the chair of a child with a smiling face. People were smiling moments before those shots rang out. They were here to celebrate the 4th of July, celebrate independence and freedom. Now, they're mourning. Caitlin?
1: Yeah, and it's been hours now since the shooting happened, and this person still is at large. Adrian brought us in Highland Park, Illinois. Thank you. Meanwhile, President Biden has also just released a statement moments ago saying that he and the First Lady are shocked by the senseless gun violence today that happened in Highland Park. CNN White House correspondent M.J. Lee is joining us live. M.J., what else do we hear from President Biden on this? Yeah, Caitlin, we've been waiting all afternoon
4: for President Biden to address uh, this uh, shooting, and we just received a paper statement from the president where he expressed shock at what he called the census, uh gun violence. He also said that he wanted to, he wanted to extend his thanks uh, to first responders and law enforcement who responded on the scene. He also said that he has spoken recently with the governor, with the mayor, and that he is calling on federal law enforcement to help in any way that they can to help track down the shooter, uh, this suspect who is still uh, on the loose. Now, he also mentioned in the statement, Caitlin, that not long ago he had signed this bipartisan gun reform law uh, into law bill into law. Excuse me. But he did also say in that same statement that clearly there is much more work to do to fight this epidemic of gun violence. Now, it is just remarkable how many times in recent months the president has had to put out a statement uh, to say remarks, public remarks to address a mass shooting like this, uh, whether it is. Uh, the shooting that we saw in Uvalde, Texas, uh, or the awful shooting at a supermarket in Buffalo, New York. And just so awful that, of course, it is happening on July 4th, a day of real celebration uh, for the country. Uh, I will tell you, just standing here at the camera as I was walking over here, uh, you can hear the music of celebration from the South Lawn. Uh, there is an event that is going to be taking place on the South Lawn at around five o'clock at The president is hosting family members of the military for a barbecue. So uh, just a stark reminder that, again, on a day of celebration, when people are supposed to be gathering together, the president is having to put out the statement to address uh, once again another mass shooting in this country. Uh, We will see when he uh, makes remarks at five o'clock whether at the top of his remarks he says uh, much of what he said in this paper statement. Again, just uh, mourning and grieving the situation there. Uh, Just not the first time in so many months that the president has had to address a situation like this,
1: Caitlin. Yeah, it's hard to see how he doesn't address it. So we'll be watching closely. MJ Lee, thank you. I want to bring in Larry Bloom, who has lived in Highland Park for 15 years. Larry, I know you were at the parade near the bandstand when these gunshots started this morning. And first, I want to thank you for joining us, because I know it's obviously been a terrible day for you and for your community. And I would just like for you to start by telling us what you saw and what happened.
5: Uh, basically I, you know, it was very early in the parade. I kind of, I rode my bike to downtown. I so, situated myself, uh, just, uh, kind of to the right of the bandstand and I was standing there and, uh, it was very early in the parade. So the fire trucks and the end is the, you know, the beginning of the parade had gone by and then the oh, more open floats were coming by and then we all heard like a pop, pop, pop. And I think everybody just thought, oh, maybe there's something with the float. They're doing something on the float. And then it just, it just opened up. Just just a rain of gunshots uh, just so quickly uh, for quite a while, at least it seemed. And, and then, uh, and, yeah, and then everybody just got upturned and ran and tried to get behind something. We were in an area, it's a, the building, uh, it's called Port Clinton Square. It's actually kind of built, it's a heavy brick building. It's almost, luckily, it's like, like a fortress. Like once you got behind the brick, you felt pretty safe, at least for the moment.
1: And Larry, so where did you run to when you started hearing these shots ring out?
5: Well, I just turned right behind me into the open space, which is Port Clinton Square. It's like an office building, an apartment building, and it's got a big open square. We all ran back that way, yeah.
1: And how many people were sheltering with you over here?
5: Uh, I mean, it was, I mean, there was, you know, it was just, just imagine a full audience for a parade. It was just, it was that many people. It was just hundreds of people just in that area, yeah. And
1: did you see anyone getting... Larry, you heard this pop, pop, pop. Did you see anyone injured as you were going and trying to shelter in place as well? Did you happen to pass by anyone who had also been injured?
5: No, because I think it was coming from like kitty corner for where- from where I was. So across the street and a little bit over, kind of aimed in our direction. And uh, so as soon as that started, like just the rapid fire, we just turned around. And there were so many people... Uh, even if even if somebody was shot, I don't think you'd necessarily see it at that at that moment.
1: And so how long, given what authorities have said, and I should note we are waiting for an update from them any moment now, how long were you sheltered in place given this suspect is still at large even as you're speaking with me now?
5: Well, as soon as we got out of the area, it was pretty, uh, um, I, I didn't really say, I wasn't really like sheltered anywhere. It's, it's when the gunshots stopped and it cleared out, and then the police moved in. Um, you, most people just like left the whole area. I kind of turned back around to see what was going on, just to see what was happening. Um, but everything seemed pretty, like it was over pretty quickly. I know they haven't found this person yet, but in that, for that scenario, that that, that uh, incident, it was over and he was gone pretty quickly.
1: And were police on and the so scene I didn't pretty really quickly? Feel like I, I didn't
5: really feel like I needed to be sheltering at that moment.
1: Were the police on the scene pretty quickly, Larry?
5: Well, yeah. Obviously, the police are there. First of all, they're part of the parade. Also, they're they're doing security, and uh, and obviously, this is something that's always a possibility. So, yeah, there were there were plenty on scene already, and then as, as it happened, yeah, they were they were coming in all directions pretty quickly.
1: And what have you heard from local authorities since the hours since the shooting started taking place? They said about ten fifteen local time. Have they encouraged everyone to remain inside your homes? What are you hearing from the community?
5: Yeah, they, they still have a general like you know stay inside. Uh, I don't think there's a real risk uh, just from the reports that he's in the area, but we don't know. Uh, so they they have said uh, that for people should stay inside, and uh, um, yeah, that's that's where we're at.
1: And was there a sense pretty quickly that he was firing from a rooftop? Because that's what they say they believed. They said they recovered firearm evidence from a rooftop of a nearby business as well in this area down the parade route. No, yeah.
5: well, I've heard both. You know, I've heard from people that he was on the ground. I've heard uh, that he might have been on the rooftop of the adjacent, you know, the building across the street. Um, it's hard to tell. You know, you're you're in that kind of quarter of a. Of us downtown, so the sound could be deceiving. It was—it felt—it was right on top of us, though. So I, 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 from a rooftop, wouldn't be unimaginable. It was like right on
1: top of us. And Larry, I know you've lived there for 15 years in Highland Park. I mean, no one ever thinks that something like this is going to happen in their community. But how much does this surprise you that you're at this Fourth of July parade, and all of a sudden, this is this goes from being this day of cheerful ce- cheer celebration to you're there at the scene of a mass shooting.
5: Well, to be honest with you, and I've, I've said this to several people today, you know, over the years, consider, considering the, the temperature of this country and some of the demographic demographics of our of our town here, every year I'm surprised and thankful that it hasn't happened yet. And after I got to a safe space and I was able to just kind of get a few seconds of breath, I really just thought, I'm like, yep, see, it finally happened here. Now, now, now. This is, this is ours. So I'm not, I, I, uh, I wasn't too, uh, it's disappointing, but I, I'm surprised it took this long, which sounds awful, but yeah.
1: Well, Larry, I'm so sorry that this happened to you because this is obviously everyone's worst nightmare. And on top of that, the fact that the shooter is still at large and they are still searching for him in that community. But thank you for coming on and telling us what happened and what it was like on the ground. And we really do appreciate your time, Larry. We're glad that you're safe.
5: Okay, I appreciate the coverage. Thank
6: you.
1: Joining us now as we wait on this update from the authorities is a former Department of Homeland Security Assistant Secretary, Juliette Kayam. Juliette, of course, the gunman is still at large, and I think that is obviously the number one concern for this community. So if you are in these agencies, this multi-agency effort now that's underway, what are they doing right now to try to find this person? Uh, well, m- multiple things. The
7: gun is, is going to be helpful in terms of who purchased it and who may have owned it at what stage. That might uh, give you an identification of who the uh, shooter is. And then, of course, then it's just a manhunt looking after a, p- a particular individual uh, who may be, you know, maybe in a major city like Chicago right now. So that's going to be uh, difficult to do. The-, the second is how long are you going to enforce the shelter in place Order if you don't find him say in you know by midnight right this is going to be it's going to be hard to sustain that not because uh, people would defy it but just simply it, it becomes less useful over time uh, because you just have to assume that he. Uh, Escaped. Uh, So those are going to be the primary focuses. We need an identification. That's the most important thing of who this person is. We do know specifics about him: his hair color, his age, which is quite specific—18 to 20 years uh, old—and the rifle. And he may have left things behind on the roof that would identify him as well. We've seen that before: U-Haul keys, other things that are left behind. Uh, So that's the primary focus right now on. On that piece, on the investigation, if he's found alive, there will be a criminal case. So everything has to be protected. This has to be done by the book. And then, of course, what's happening in the hospitals and and the victims, family unification, uh, all the things that we're sort of used to, Caitlin, at this stage that happen after an incident like this.
1: Right. And they were saying earlier that this has been part of the difficulty with the evidence is because so many people spread so quickly as they were running around in this chaotic aftermath that they said that's going to be difficult Juliet, stand by because I also want to bring in Terrence Gaynor. He's a former U.S. Capitol Police Chief. And Terrence, you're hearing from officials as they are searching for this person. This is a really large area for them to cover. It's a small community, but they were saying earlier as we were waiting on a new update that they didn't know if he's in the immediate area or if he had gone to a different space yet. And it's been several hours since this shooting took place. So how difficult is it for them to really canvas this area searching for him?
8: Well, Lake County is well-prepared for something like this. They have a coordinated group of SWAT officers, these specialty teams. They're working under the uh, uh, Lake County Sheriff's Office Task Force. They're well-organized. They go through this a lot. That task force at this time happens to be uh, run by a commander from the Illinois State Police. They work well together. They're handling the search for the offender while the FBI is handling the crime scene. And as we've been talking about, the uh, ATF is deeply involved in working on the firearms. So there's some simultaneous things going on in coordination between the Lake County authorities and then into Cook County, where Chicago and there's other suburbs. So I'm confident that they're working together on this.
1: Yeah, they say that they're working very closely trying to find him. And of course, this is the top concern for everyone in that area, not just the community members, but also the officials there. Terrence and Juliet, I want you to both stay with me because we do have more questions for you about this urgent manhunt that is now underway and we are waiting to hear from the authorities on that and on the victims who are killed today after this horrible July 4th tragedy. We'll be right back. We're back with breaking news from the suburbs of Chicago where a deadly shooting at a 4th of July parade in Highland Park Illinois, at least six people have been killed and two dozen injured. CNN's Bryn Gingrass is following the latest on those who have been hurt as a result of this. Bryn, what do we know about how many people were there on the ground and the extent of the injuries in addition to the at least six people that authorities say have been killed?
9: Yeah, so we've been making calls to area hospitals, and there's two hospitals in that area, uh, Caitlin, that are trauma centers, level two and level one. And I talked to a director for their public information there, and he said that more than 30 people actually came to his hospital uh, and were treated with a vast majority, in his words, of gunshot wound victims. And they actually had to transport five people to one of their sister hospitals in Evanston, which is a town uh, nearby to Highland Park. So authorities are saying more than two dozen injuries, and we know those six people Who were killed. We also learned from authorities that it appears to their knowledge the latest information they had, and of course we're going to get a new update, is that there were deceased people at the scene and then one person transported uh, who had died. So we're still trying to work out all the numbers, but those are the numbers that we are getting from uh, officials there on the ground. Um, But uh, like I said, a vast majority were gunshot wound victims. It's unclear the ages of those victims. Of course, we know uh, from authorities that there's people in the crowd, there were people in the Parades, including people of all ages. Um, so we don't know that quite yet. Uh, but other injuries that were sustained by people were of people who were just trying to escape the chaos, the people running over each other, the trampling types injuries. Uh, so certainly a huge extent of injuries that uh, doctors there are dealing with, and actually were, I'm told that 20 doctors at least came in um, right away within a half an hour of this happening to help assist with all of the medical needs. So quite uh, a, you know, bringing of people people together to get uh, treating all these people who were, who were there on the scene. Uh, devastating, though, of course, that we still don't know any identities or any idea of those people that were killed uh, and their ages at this point.
1: Yeah, they say they weren't ready to release the age range yet right. of the victims who have died. And, Bryn, obviously, you know, this is a pretty small suburb. It's about 30,000 people. Did they have to send people to other hospitals, or could they? do they have the capacity to treat dozens of gun violence victims.
9: Yeah, so the two hospitals that I was coordinating with were a trauma one and a trauma two, which isn't much of a difference when you talk, you know, what they can treat. Both of those type of hospitals are capable of treating a range of different um, type types of wounds and, you know, at a fast capacity, at a large capacity and fast, right? Um, like I said, 20 doctors or more were brought in within a half an hour of this happening. So this was a huge response for those areas. Um, but certainly this is something that's traumatic for them, if we, as we unfortunately have learned uh, from incidents all across this country, is that these uh, doctors, these nurses, these staff members are dealing with, with this quite quickly. I have to tell you, Caitlin, as soon as this happened, within 20 minutes or so, I Called the hospitals. I got quickly connected, accidentally to the emergency room, and it was frantic. You could hear in the background um, as they were trying to deal with all these patients coming in, and surely there'll be more, right? Because we are learning from all these people who were there on the scene uh, that there are people who have sheltered in place, and we've seen videos of, of you know people leaving the scene escorted by police so there might be more to come and and authorities have said that in their latest news conferences that they're the latest numbers that they have unfortunately those numbers might grow as this evening comes of course that update will be very useful in that regard
1: yeah bren we heard people hiding behind dumpsters and underneath cars as they were trying to get out of the way bren thank you for that we are seeing authorities approach the microphones right now we're waiting for a new update on what has happened at this shooting in highland park
10: I apologize for that delay. Uh, We're going to start right away with Commander O'Neill, and then we have some representation. Uh, Coroner Jennifer Bannock, Lake County Coroner, is here.
11: Uh, And we have representation from the FBI and State Police as well. Commander O'Neill, Highland Park Police Department. Last name is O-N-E-I-L-L. As you know, an active investigation continues into the shooting at the Highland Park 4th of July parade. The parade route in downtown Highland Park and the Central Business Districts remain an active crime scene. Therefore, we highly recommend the individuals living in this area to continue to shelter in place. This area entails Green Bay Road to Laurel Avenue, to St. John's Avenue, to Elm Place. The investigation and most law enforcement personnel are focused in this area. Individuals outside of this area no longer need to shelter in place. However, we urge everyone and anyone to remain vigilant and immediately report any suspicious behavior in the community. The Lake County coroner is on scene assisting with the investigation. Highland Park Police are collaborating with the Lake County Major Crime Task Force, the FBI, the Illinois State Police, county and local law enforcement agencies throughout our area. While no one is in custody at this time, a very active apprehension effort is currently underway. Individuals with knowledge of the incidents, persons of interest, including photo or video evidence from the scene or area, are encouraged to share them with the FBI by calling 1-800-CALL-FBI. That's 1-800-CALL-FBI. Regular updates are also being posted on the city website at www.cityhpil.com. Thank you.
12: Corner.
13: My name is Jennifer Bannock. Bravo Alpha November Echo Kilo. I'm calling with an update on the coroner's investigation. So far, there are five dead on the scene. Those decedents have been identified and we are working on notification for those families. There is one additional decedent that was taken to a local hospital. Thank you.
10: All right, again. Very active investigation, uh, and we'll try to answer what questions we can without negatively impacting the investigation. I can tell you our investigators, in collaboration with the FBI and our federal partners, are making significant progress. So we're moving forward, uh, and that's where we're at right now. Deputy Chief, were you able to glean anything off the gun that was left, numbers or- The gun is uh, certainly being uh, heavily investigated by the ATF, our federal partners, and we are working on that aspect. Can you tell us what kind of gun it was at this point? Right now, what we're saying is it's a high-powered rifle. Uh, Beyond that, I'm not going to go into much more. Eventually, we will. When we feel comfortable releasing that information without giving out uh, information we don't want out there at this point, we will put that out.
14: This is a question question for Manik. Yes. Can you
3: tell us exactly, you said you were able to identify them. Are they children? Do they age?
13: I can tell you that the decedents on uh scene were adults. Is there an update on how many are in the hospital might be more than 2000 at
15: this point? So my name is Joe Shragi, I'm the fire chief for the city of Highland Park. So on scene we had, or we transported 10 to Highland Park Hospital, six to Lake Forest Hospital. And then seven to Evanston Hospital.
10: In addition to that, there there were walk-ins at different hospitals. People that self-transported and drove themselves. So the numbers are a little higher than uh, the transports by fire. Have
16: you identified the gunman? Do you know who you're looking for at this point?
10: I can't get into that just yet. Are we
12: talking about multiple shooters or one shooter?
10: At this time, we have no indication to believe there was more than one. However, this we're in we're only hours after this occurred, so we don't want to. That our narrow in and, and we want to be very broad and look at this uh, in totality.
17: Talk about how they're doing a search. Right now there's six armored, fully manned armored vehicles right down the street. Are they just waiting
15: for tips or are they going to go door to door?
10: So primarily the, uh, the SWAT teams and NYPAS, what they are doing is they have been evacuating people out of the buildings that have been in that contained four radius uh, should the individual still be there. That is their primary focus at this point. Do you
9: want
13: to There were was... there were five on the scene, and they were all adults. And then there was one that was transported to a local hospital that also died at the hospital. I don't have any additional information on that victim, uh, including their age. Not right now.
10: Can you go over to that
18: perimeter
11: one more time?
13: I think it's a really
18: important piece of information. Okay. Confirm, the the perimeter perimeter streets.
11: So currently we have a active crime scene in our central business district. The perimeter is Green Bay Road to Laurel Avenue to St. John's Avenue to Elm Place. And we have police personnel in that area continuing the investigation and clearing businesses and buildings.
16: Are there people still inside buildings at this hour? Do you know how many more
11: do you need to evacuate? Some people chose to shelter in place and continue to do so. We are working with our law enforcement teams in that area to evacuate them. The Highland Park Police Department is the reunification site for family and friends. If anyone is missing anyone or there's any separated parties, they can be directed to the Highland Park Police Department. And that's located at 1677 Old Deerfield Road in Highland Park, 60035.
14: So
10: just to clarify, people outside of that investigation, that scene right there, do not
2: need a sheltering place anymore.
11: That's correct. That's correct. There's a heavy police presence in the area and in the community right now.
3: For those
10: who were transported
15: to the hospital for 11 children, were those also
10: all of them? Um, at least one of those was a child. At least
15: one. Yeah. I don't know whether or not the, we transported, but, but do not know the outcome. Do you know their condition when they were transported? When they were transported, they were critically injured. All of them? the child oh, the Just child. Just the age. child.
16: The um, child child.
15: No, I was not given the age range, I'm sorry. We can get that
16: too. But the child was the one critically injured. Yes. What did the injuries range from in terms of those in the hospital right now?
15: So they were gunshot wounds and it varied from uh, abdomen to limbs and such, but um, the crews were on scene very quickly. Uh, there was bystanders as well that were rendered aid as well. Uh, they were uh, quick to tie tourniquets and do bleeding control. Which definitely assisted the fire department on scene. How long did the incident
6: take place? Do you have
11: any idea how many minutes it lasted? Commander? I'm sorry, can you repeat the question? How long
6: did the incident
10: take place from the beginning of the shooting
11: to the end? It was very uh, quick. Uh, Gunfire was recognized in the area. Uh, Police units were actually already on scene for the parade, in addition to fire personnel. Uh, so it took, it was very expeditious. It was pretty quick and then the offender had fled the scene. Do you
6: have any idea how many shots were
11: fired? I, I do not at this time. Numerous is what I could tell you right now. Your
6: department, so you and your
16: departments, in can of what we saw in Wisconsin, had your department trained for anything like this, or had meetings in terms of parade security after what we saw in Wisconsin?
11: Yes, yeah, so the Highland Park Police Department has a uh, high level of training. We uh, historically, currently, in in the future we'll train in rapid deployment, rapid response, also rendering aid as a priority for our agency. And this morning that was done quickly. We were able to get medical personnel in quickly to start evacuating wounded parties. And that also included using police vehicles in addition to uh, fire department ambulance vehicles. And many people self-transported too.
6: Just,
10: Just, Just touching on that question, there's a high level of training for all agencies in Lake County and I think that you're gonna hear accounts of how quickly Island Park Police Department responded uh, and, and did exactly what they were supposed to do, uh, but right now we want to focus on the victims and ensuring we're catching the offender. Hey, yeah,
17: how did that
10: so, the roof was a uh, business and it looks like uh, access uh, to the roof via a ladder in an alley was unsecure. I ladder ladder a, a ladder that's attached to the building. All right, we can take two more. Is there any reason
15: to believe that the suspect is in that that you all are
10: currently investigating right now? That's what we're still working on determining. Uh, we've had dozens of police canines out here, drones, uh, and other technology we're using to uh, locate and see if it can assist us in the investigation.
16: Any further details on the? Suspect description or vehicle
10: description? Not at this time. That initial description does stand. All right. We'll shoot for um, about 4.15 for the next briefing. Thank you.
1: All right. We just got a third update from authorities in Highland Park, Illinois, where a shooting at a 4th of July parade Several hours ago has left at least six people dead, dozens more injured and in the hospital, and as you heard them there saying that at least one of those who was injured was a child with critical injuries. Right now I want to bring in back in our former Department of Homeland Security, Assistant Secretary Juliette Kayam, and the former US Capitol Police Chief Terry Gaynor. Juliet and Terry, you both just listened to that update with me. And Juliet, I wonder what you made of what they said about the suspect, because they say that still no one is in custody, but they said a very active apprehension effort is underway. What does that mean? That was I mean, that's when he got vague and rightfully so, whether
7: it's through the rifle and 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 figuring out who owns it, whether a family member said, look, he was talking about doing someone was a family member was talking about doing something like this. That's the por- that's the part where he rightfully got coy uh, because this is a manhunt. And I think that was one of the. There are many takeaways from this, but one of the big takeaways, as we were talking before, it was shelter-in-place is just not, is neither sustainable nor helpful after a couple hours because you just have to assume uh, that he was not injured, the shooter was not injured and was able to escape to a city or wherever else. So it's the lifting, there's two two parts to it. There's the lifting of the shelter-in-place order for everyone who is not part or not close to what is now a significant crime scene. And that because they have there might be a criminal trial, they have to actually uh, figure out who was where and where victims were shot. Uh, The final thing is, is uh, just, um, you know, I don't, I'm I'm just going to say this, just like the sort of professionalism of what's going on now after some of the stuff that we've seen and, and you all, we've, we've reported on just, you know, this was the third briefing. He's telling us that there's going to be another briefing. There's giving facts or giving information. They're not disclosing things they don't know. In fact, the coroner came back up to clarify she was not sure the age of the person who had died at the hospital. That's really important for a nation that suffers these, you know, day in and day out. But obviously for the community, it builds trust at a time when it's necessary. The community is, is, is in trauma.
1: Yeah, it's sad that people have to be professionals and are able to do something like that so quickly. But yes, we have gotten three updates. They just said a fourth update will be forthcoming shortly. Terry, I wonder what you made of him saying that this person, this individual that they are still looking for, it sounds like, had access to a roof via a ladder that was attached to a building in an alley, which he said was unsecure. And we'd heard earlier that they believed this was random, that this person was targeting spectators at this event. So I wonder what you you heard from that update.
8: Well, I think uh, one of the things I heard, especially if you want to focus on the latter, is this person probably pre-scouted what he wanted to do and, and maybe knew this was a good spot for him to do it. So the fact that it was uh, uh, it being described Ramden doesn't mean that he didn't do some planning. So that's one thing. The And I agree with Juliette. The professionalism of how this is being handled is uh, very refreshing going concentrate on the victims of this a little bit, the number of people that were transported to the hospital by the uh, fire department and or the police department makes the number of potentially either physically injured or suffering trauma or some injury as they fled from the scene is also an important thing too. So again, you see a lot of things going on at once. And uh, Caitlin, you may know that I ran the Illinois State Police for about 10 years. I know this area very well. And they are right. Lake County, with the sheriff there and the task force they have, are well, uh, a good professional outfit, and they work very well together. That's a plus.
1: Terry, given that experience that you have, when you hear them say that he went to a ladder in an alley, clearly he... Knew this parade was going to be happening. It was widely publicized. It's a parade that happens every year on the 4th of July. What do you hear from that, given they're still searching for him? Do you think that this person went in and planned this and also planned an escape, given it's been several hours since this shooting happened and they have not located the suspect yet?
8: Well, I think that's a uh, a safe assumption since we don't know all the facts. I mean, it's hard to believe that someone might just be wandering down alleys carrying this uh, um, um, deadly weapon. In looking for an opportunity, it looks a little pre-planned based on the things we're hearing. You know, the fact that the offender left the weapon there also tells you something about the offender and that he wanted to get out of there quickly. The fact, uh, as Juliet mentioned, that they're lifting the uh, shelter in place also is a little bit of a clue that the police may know a little bit more about the offender than is being led on right now. So that's all very positive stuff. Now it turns to some of the other things. People who may know someone uh, who fits this description or has been acting strangely in the past week or two, like we've seen in other shootings, now is the time for them to pick up the phone, drop a dime and share some information that will help officers lead to this individual uh, to bring in him, him in safely and to prevent anything else from happening.
1: And Juliet, you're hearing this from authorities about how they're using this gun, potentially, you know, they recovered this high powered weapon, they really won't describe more about it. But how are they using that to try to figure out this person's identity?
7: So uh, it's it's a, a typical sort of ATF or, or gun search. So there, there'll be a serial number. It will have an identification. You will figure out the manufacturer. They're being, once again, they're not disclosing uh, the type of gun. We, we, we are hearing the numbers. We know that it was a very fast uh, gun that killed people very quickly. So they're just calling it high-powered. Uh, they uh, then link that to uh, per, uh, seller, Purchaser multiple purchasers, assuming that that it's lawful, most of these high powered guns are lawful, whether uh, even if not in Illinois of course, but surrounding states so that's that's just the search that they're doing so the leaving of the gun is a huge clue for law enforcement to sort of close the window right now in particular to find uh, to find the seller and therefore who might ultimately uh, be the buyer so uh, you know I think we're all uh, we're all hoping. Just given the pace of this and what we're hearing from law enforcement uh, that the identification and manhunt will close relatively quickly. This this tends to happen. It happened in New York after the the subway bombing. People make mistakes. Identifications are made, uh, uh, and um, and 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 then and then there's an arrest or or depending on how how he's actually captured. So that's what we'll probably look for in the next couple of hours.
1: And Terry, you heard them yeah. say they're using dozens of dogs, drones trying to find this person. What about security camera footage of these businesses or even cell phone footage? Because obviously people were taking videos of what they thought was a July 4th parade. It ended up being a mass crime scene now that this shooting happened. So what are they using to try to find this person?
8: Well, you've named just about all of them, Caitlin. And you'll remember the spokesman said, uh, if you have that type of footage, whether it's from your business or your cell phone, they gave a number of the FBI. The FBI is probably the best equipped to put that type of uh, uh, various video and digital evidence together, as everybody saw some nine years ago in Boston. So everybody is working in their uh, cylinders of excellence, if you will, tying time- all those things together to the command officials involved here to bring it all together. So, again, everybody contributing, everybody working together, sharing that information should bring this to a successful conclusion.
7: Yeah, that's agree. Definitely- can I say one thing what parents picked up on just quickly is it is not just today. If there was surveillance going on by the killer, the police are asking if you've been in the area taking pictures uh, if you own a building that is taking cameras, this person may have been staking it out. This person may have entered, gone upstairs on July 3rd. We don't know. Um, and therefore that's what that's what they're looking for.
1: Absolutely. Those are going to be critical questions for them to answer. Juliet Kayam, Terry Gaynor, thank you for joining us on such an important subject and thank you for your insight. We will be back with you. We are still following this breaking news, and we just got the latest update from authorities on these six people at least who have been killed, dozens more injured and in the hospital after a suspect opened fire on a July 4th parade in Highland Park, Illinois. The person is still missing. He has not been arrested yet, though they did describe the suspect. We'll be right back in a moment with those who know more about what's been going on. The breaking news this hour, at least six people are dead and dozens more are injured. After a gunman opened fire on the crowd at a 4th of July parade in the Chicago suburb of Highland Park. The suspect is still at large, as we just heard from authorities who say an active apprehension effort is still underway. I want to go to Miles Zarimsky. He was at the parade today. And Miles, we spoke earlier. You were one of the first people we talked to after this shooting had taken place. and, And you told me that you were there. You said you saw multiple injuries. You said you saw multiple lifeless bodies. Unfortunately, that has been confirmed by the authorities that at least six people have been killed. And I just wonder, what's your reaction to the, the fact that you woke up this morning, you went to a 4th of July parade, and now here you are several hours later?
17: Kaylin, good afternoon, and thank you again for having me. I can only say that that I'm a, uh, I've am been around many years on this planet, and what I observed shook me to the core, if not almost putting me in tears for what I observed on the nation's birthday, basically, with people supposedly enjoying themselves. And as I, as you mentioned and as confirmed, I saw a couple of individuals in pools of blood that looked lifeless. And unfortunately, I may have even seen the young child uh, who may have died uh, as as a result as well. And that, and that will always remain seared in my memory, but, but what is more important, and I may have communicated this to you already, is that if it can happen on July 4th in a peaceful, a law-abiding community like we have in Highland Park, led by a tremendous mayor, Nancy Rotering, uh, it can happen any place. And obviously, I'm not saying anything new when we, what we've seen in Evaldi and Pittsburgh synagogue and... Um, entertainment venues, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And quite frankly, and in, in, uh, in all honesty, uh, guns kill and what we hear from politicians, not in the state of Illinois necessarily, but politicians elsewhere saying, well, we have to do other things. Like we've heard from Texas Governor Greg Abbott or Ron DeSantis in Florida. Uh, they are just so off the beaten path because we have to do much, much more on gun control rather than the window dressing we saw passed in recent days and just signed by President Biden. So, Miles, um, you're
1: talking about that child. We should note the authorities haven't confirmed what ultimately has happened to the the kid. They said that the kid was taken to the hospital on critical condition following this shooting earlier. And I wonder, Miles, you're talking about how this this can happen anywhere in America. That is what we are learning from these shootings, whether it's an elementary school in Texas, a supermarket in New York, a Fourth of July parade in Illinois. And I wonder what you've heard from your neighbors and your friends that you've been talking to in the hours since this happened. What are they saying?
17: I, I will say I have received texts and emails from throughout the country, from either relatives, colleagues, friends, and they are, are, are in tears and in shock. Um, utterly in shock that human lives don't mean anything anymore and those with guns and if it's an automatic rifle like I think has took place in our community hours ago um, that we are tolerating or politicians are tolerating the continued use, sale and distribution of lethal weapons that belong in a Vietnam or a Afghanistan or Iraq, and not on, not in the streets of a suburb like Highland Park. And incidentally, I might add that I believe through our mayor's efforts some years back, we crafted an ordinance that that banned um, assault weapons. That was challenged and was, I think it went to the Seventh Circuit Court of Appeals, that affirmed our ordinance, and I believe the Supreme Court denied taking petition for certiorari, but. Um, so whoever did this heinous act came from outside our, uh, the four corners of our uh, suburb.
1: And, Miles, what was it like at the parade this morning? Because they said that this happened just, you know, about 20 or so minutes into the parade starting. That's when these first shots rang out.
17: The parade starts about 10 o'clock, 10.02 a.m. It first starts with our vehicles of representing the fire department, police department, paramedics. And then uh, 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 different floats or vehicles thereafter. So this occurred around 10:18, 10:20 a.m. I believe, if I recall correctly. And people were enjoying themselves. There were pets. There were children. There were families. There were individuals. There were senior citizens, just enjoying Highland Park's July 4th parade. And I've I've attended these for over 30 years. Uh, my family, my wife and I have been here since 1976, um, and it was status quo to have an enjoyable couple of hours that would end at a, at a local park to have festivities and food, et cetera. And then this happened with the pop, 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 and I'm guessing around 30 of those that I heard in two separate segments. Um, so. You know, what next? Do we have to have armed guards at July 4th parades or professional baseball venues or athletic events uh, or screens put up like in front of the, the White House or elsewhere? Uh, this is a scary nation, and and I fault personally our politicians.
1: It is a very scary time. And, Miles zermski we first spoke in the moments after this happened I'm very sorry that yes. we had to meet like this, but I'm very grateful for your information and for your help and for you being willing to come on and tell us what you saw. We are deeply grateful, and so is the audience. So thank you for joining us, Miles.
17: Thank you, thank you. Thank you Caitlin, for having me.
1: Absolutely. And after speaking with Miles and hearing the update from authorities, we are still following the breaking news this July 4th, which is a manhunt is still underway in and around Highland Park, Illinois, right outside of Chicago. We'll talk about the challenges for law enforcement right now as they are trying to track down the person who opened fire targeting spectators in a 4th of July parade.
10: This is CNN Breaking News.
1: Welcome to a special edition of The Lead. I'm Caitlin Collins in for Jake Tapper. This hour, breaking news on what is now at least the 308th mass shooting in America just this year. A 4th of July celebration in the city of Highland Park, Illinois, a suburb about 25 miles north of Chicago, ended in tragedy today when a gunman opened fire on people just enjoying an Independence Day parade. Authorities say that at least six people have been killed, five at the scene, one person dying at the hospital. At least another two dozen have been taken to the hospital with serious injuries, and at least one of them is a child who's been critically injured. Witnesses have described a chaotic and horrific scene of terrified adults and children running for their lives. The gunman is still at large, and police say that the suspect is considered armed and dangerous. The suspect carried out the shooting spree from a rooftop and is believed to have acted alone. Law enforcement officials say that it appears the suspect was targeting spectators and parade participants, and a high-powered rifle that was recovered at the scene is right now being urgently traced by federal officials to determine who purchased the weapon and where it came from. Investigators are also searching social media for any threats or clues related to the shooting. And we do expect to get another update from law enforcement, their fourth update within this hour. Right now, I want to go to CNN's, CNN's Adrian Brades, who is live at the scene in Highland Park, Illinois. Adrian, I know police say that this is still a very active situation, but what is the latest that they are saying and telling the community about what to know?
3: Caitlin, it is active. Updates have been coming in via phone and from law enforcement here on the scene throughout the day. Let's start with the parade route, which is behind me. This is still an active crime scene if you look behind me it's easy to notice there is an armed member of law enforcement here folks have shown up to the scene trying to take some of the belongings they left behind but at this hour they're not allowed to do so not only is the parade route an active crime scene but the surrounding business district folks who live in the area here in highland park are still being encouraged to shelter in place. This, because as you mentioned, that suspect, believed to be somewhere between the age of 18 and 20, is still considered armed and dangerous. This, after that person, investigators, was on the top of a roof in this area shooting people. At least six people died. Investigators say five of them. Their lives lost here along the parade route. Another person died at the hospital at least 23 others were transported to area hospitals this was the 4th of july parade some folks had been waiting for this day for nearly two years keep in mind caitlin we are emerging from a pandemic i spoke with one woman who was here with her father she described this as the loudest thing she's ever heard that's not natural she said at least 50 to 100 rounds were fired. She also says she witnessed a man who was shot, but he said he was okay because just his ear was injured as he bled from the face. Another woman she saw was shot in the leg, and she said she also saw a one woman who she described as wearing a beautiful dress fall to her death after she was shot. That woman, Zoe, said she hid behind a dumpster with about 30 other people, including small children. There was a father there who asked her to look over his children as he went to go search for his missing son. That father, she says, put his child in the dumpster because he felt helpless. But he thought the dirty dumpster was the safest place for his son. Listen in to more of my conversation with Zoe.
2: I saw people shot and killed around me and a lot of people hiding. A man actually went at one point to uh, find his son and he asked me to watch his kids. So we were all hiding behind a dumpster together and the kids, you know, really little kids were like, what's going on? I'm like, it's just fireworks. You know, people get silly with fireworks and I just stayed with them for about half an hour while the guy was out looking for his other son. They ended up hiding in a dumpster. They ended his dad, the dad ended up um, putting his children in the dumpster to hide and stay safe. And it was probably 30 of us just hiding in this little corner behind the dumpster.
3: And that is an image she will never be able to forget. You see at this hour, the Northbrook Fire Department showing up on scene as this investigation continues. Caitlin. And I know that they said that they've
1: identified those who were killed. They're still working on notifying the families. So the tragedy of this is not even close to being over. Adrian, when it comes to the investigation part and still searching for this suspect, they did say that a high-powered rifle had been recovered from the scene. What else are they saying about the weapon and how they're using it to try to identify this person?
3: They are trying to use that weapon to identify the person. Specifically, trying to find out who purchased the weapon They want to know the life of the weapon, when was it purchased, if it was purchased legally. They're also, they, meaning investigators, searching social media to see if there were any posts leading up to what happened today. We heard earlier in that news conference from members of law enforcement that there was a ladder attached to this building that the suspect shot from, indicating possibly that this suspect could have scoured the area before. This is, these are all things investigators want to determine. Who is this 18 to 20 year old? Where is this person? Investigators said he may or may not be in this city right now, the city as in Highland Park or somewhere else. But when they find out who purchased that weapon, who manufactured it, that could answer a lot of questions. Caitlin. Absolutely, and those are huge questions. Adrian Broaddus,
1: thank you for the latest. Now I want to bring in Democratic Congressman Brad Schneider. Highland Park is in his district, and he was en route to the parade when this shooting happened this morning. Congressman Schneider, thank you so much for joining us. A, I know you have a lot on your plate and a lot going on. What's the latest that you're hearing about what happened today?
19: Well, Caitlin, thank you for having me, and thank you for covering this story. Um, I, I was en uh, on, on route. This is the second of five parades we typically do on the 4th of July. Uh, This is uh, my hometown. We actually just moved to Highland Park a couple of months ago. Um, It's a great community, the Highland Park Parade. Thousands of people line the route every year gathering together, standing shoulder to shoulder, uh, happy celebrating our nation's independence, but also celebrating our community. Uh, The parade floats are our school kids, whether it's the band or a drama club, it's the local uh, civic organizations, social service organizations. And it's something that everyone looks forward to throughout the year. And, and today was uh, shattered by the uh, um, burst of, of gunfire. Uh, a, an evil individual decided to uh, just t- take the lives of six people, destroy the lives of countless others, and our community is reeling tonight. Um, it's uh, it's important tonight that uh, we find find this perpetrator. I'm grateful for the first responders who were there immediately for local law enforcement, not just in Highland Park, but around the area, the the county, the state, as well as federal, who are uh, doing every day, everything they can to, to find this person. Uh, but we also still have to recognize that what happened today is happening around the country. Uh, today, someone with a high-powered assault weapon uh, destroyed the lives of, of our neighbors, families, and, and friends um, because he was able to get a gun, uh, climbed up on a roof, and decided to uh, uh, kill people at a parade.
1: And obviously, that's terrified your constituents and I'm wondering have you what have you heard about the victims those that have been killed as, as a result of what happened today
19: so we've heard very little I, I know that they've identified the people I, I've heard uh, stories of, of uh, a couple of the victims that uh, from uh, friends of, of family members uh, uh, at least two of the victims uh, uh, one uh, deceased one I'm not sure the status of uh, are, uh, were grandparents um and uh, this, this strikes home, I, I, I suspect, when this is over and done. Uh, 31 people uh, injured, 6 killed, uh, 24 taken to the hospital. Um, I, I suspect we'll all know somebody, uh, multiple people, and they will run the, the spectrum of ages uh, and be from all different parts of our community.
1: Absolutely. And one of those was a a child that was taken to the hospital. They said in critical condition. What have you heard about the suspect given this person is still at large? They have not apprehended anyone yet or put anyone in custody. What have you heard from authorities about this person and how they're tracking them down?
19: I've heard the same thing that's publicly available. Uh, They believe it is a white male, uh, youngish, 18 to 20 years old, uh, longish, uh, black hair. Uh, I've heard uh, reports of uh, carrying a, a large yellow backpack. But beyond that, we don't know anything. Uh, what we do know is that this individual came to what is a community celebration, like celebrations all over this country on the 4th of July, and uh, in, in an instant uh, shattered the, the community.
1: And what have you heard from people in the community? You know, there's there's in now several hours. They haven't found this person yet. They're learning about neighbors and friends and relatives who have either been killed or injured in this. What are they telling you about this? What do they want to see from you?
19: So what I'm hearing initially was shock. Uh, you know, I, as, as I mentioned, I was just arriving at the parade when the shots rang out. Uh, immediately left the area, um, stopped at a corner. There was a gang. A gang. a gang. There was a group, large group of, of uh, mostly kids with some adults trying to call their parents and, and tell them they were safe. I, I stopped, pulled over and, and offered to allow them to use my phone. Um, there was a lot of cars trying to get through that corner, so I helped the, the park district uh, personnel. Uh, clear out uh, the, the traffic so everyone could get away safely. But uh, from shock, I think we go to grief. And uh, just the, the knowledge that uh, uh, our community uh, was was destroyed, lives were destroyed in our community like, the, like it was today. Uh, and, and this is a grief that is happening in too many communities across our country. This is, as you mentioned at the top, 308 mass shootings in our country, uh, and it is only July 4th. Uh, we're less than halfway through the year. Uh, this is unacceptable. No other country is, is experiencing this. Uh, there is no magic solution, one one thing that can, can solve all this, but there are things we can do from universal background checks supported by over 90% of the population uh, to just working to lower the temperature and, and helping people uh, talk to each other. Uh, there's a lot we need to do uh, in our country to heal the wounds and, and um, uh, seek a, a, a a safer place for our communities.
1: Well, Congressman Snyder. on that note, I've heard from so many people today that I've spoken to who have lived in Highland Park for decades, for so long, they've gone to this parade a million times before, and they say they never thought something like this could happen in their community. But unfortunately, that is something we are now hearing time and time again, whether you live in Uvalde, Texas, whether you live in Buffalo, whether you live in Highland Park, that it is happening in places where people once thought this could not happen.
19: Yeah, I, I lived in Deerfield for 30 years. We just moved to Highland Park. They're sister communities. In fact, the Highland Park parade is at 10 o'clock, and it goes right into the Deerfield parade uh, an hour later. Uh, so they're, they're very much connected. And uh, mm-hmm. no one thinks this happen, could happen in our community, but that's true across the country. No one thinks this could happen, and it shouldn't happen in any community. And, and that's why we need federal action. Uh, the idea of a, a universal background check, Just as an example, Uh, the House has passed legislation uh, to achieve a universal background check. It's stalled in the Senate now twice. Um, But again, it shouldn't be partisan. It's not Republican or Democrat. This guy wasn't targeting one party or the other. He was targeting parade watchers and, and, and people in the parade at a community who were celebrating together, celebrating America and the very idea of America, whether it's Democrat or Republican. And uh, we need to make sure that, uh, in this case, the bad guys can't win, but the spirit of our nation, uh, the ideals of the founders of of, uh, um, E Pluribus Unum, from many one, that that we work to achieve that and not let the bad guys win.
1: Well, Congressman Brad Schneider, we know that your community has a lot of healing ahead of it. Thank you so much for taking the time to join us and give us that update.
19: Thank you. Appreciate the opportunity, and um, uh, we appreciate the, the, the good wishes coming from across the country.
1: Absolutely. The FBI is also now part of this investigation into the deadly mass shooting that happened in Highland Park. What we're learning from the Justice Department that's next. Staying on the breaking news out of Highland Park, Illinois, a multi agency investigation is now underway. As authorities are continuing to search for the suspect who opened fire at a 4th of July parade, the FBI is now on the scene. Let's bring in CNN's Evan Perez. Evan, right now, this early on, what is the FBI's role in this investigation?
18: Well, Caitlin, uh, you know, one of the things that the FBI is is good at is trying to help uh, these local police departments that don't have perhaps the resources uh, to, to try to figure out, you know, to try to find people who they are trying to look for. At this point, uh, again, there's very little we know. Um, the police probably know a lot more about exactly who they're looking for. Uh, they have the firearm that has been recovered. This is a, believed to be a, a long gun. Uh, this is something that the ATF now is taking possession of and is going to do the tracing to figure out when when it was bought, uh, by whom it was bought. Uh, if this person is uh, 18 years old, it's possible that they may not be uh, the person who bought the firearm. So who, who, who is the person who bought the firearm? Again, that's something that the FBI and the ATF can help track those people and, and conduct interviews. Obviously, this is a, uh, there's a lot of practice in recent years for these types of incidents. Um, the, 18, the, uh, the FBI just put out a report uh, just a few weeks ago, uh, Caitlin, that described how uh, active shootings like this one are up about 50 percent just compared to last year, almost 100 percent increase versus 2017. And they've had a lot of, lot of time to, to, to study the type of people who carry out these types of attacks. And they know a lot about, about how to you know, track down these people. So those are the types of resources that the, uh, President Biden said uh, he's asking federal agencies to help uh, the local police department there to try to solve this, uh, th- this shooting and figure out, uh, bring this person, whoever this person is, uh, into custody.
1: And Evan, in addition to tracking where the gun was purchased, where the ammunition was purchased, what about how they're asking for the community to help when it comes to social media for this person, videos from the parade, all of those factors that you know we've learned in recent years, in recent years, unfortunately, have been so critical in helping them with this.
18: Absolutely, I, I think that's one of the key things that the FBI can do. Um, in Uvalde, for instance, one of the things that they provided the assistance of, of you know, to the local police. Uh, was collecting all of those um, uh, social media posts, uh, which ended up uh, helping people understand a little bit about exactly what went on in the days before this shooting. A similar role could be played here. Again, we don't know who we're talking about. We don't. Uh, it, it, it is possible that the local uh, the authorities and the FBI already have an idea who, we're, who they're dealing with. Um, they can look through uh, social media histories. They can look to see whether there's any connection with known groups, including extremist groups, which is obviously a a thing we have seen in recent shootings. Um, and they can try to see if, if anybody on the scene has video of that rooftop, which is obviously right there above the, the, the parade route, uh, to see who went, who went there uh, recently. And that obviously, uh, they, can, they can look to see whether um, uh, there's any surveillance video from the neighbor, nearby businesses. I, I assume this uh, being a commercial district, there, there's tons of that kind of evidence that the FBI can process and help uh, police uh, put, try to put together what exactly happened.
1: And Evan, you just said, you know, we don't know who this person is, who this suspect is. We just have a, a description of them. And obviously the assumption would be maybe authorities have a better idea of who this person could be. When something like this happens and you're in the early hours and there's still a manhunt underway, how do the authorities decide what to keep private and what to make public?
18: Yeah, I mean, that's one of the things that I think is, is key at this, at this hour. I think they're not telling us um, right now who they think may have done this. It's possible they already have a pretty good idea. Um, you know, one of the things that, that, that they want to do, obviously, is if this person is still alive, they want to preserve as much, as much of this information for a possible investigation for possible charges if that person is brought in and is uh, taken to trial, for instance. So there is some of that uh, goes into making the decision of what to share. At this point, it looks like one of the things that the, the, the authorities are asking for is just help from, from people, witnesses, people who might have uh, video and so on. And, and so that might be an effort to help establish that whoever you know, they are looking for is indeed the person that, that carries out this uh, this attack, but you know, uh, you know, at this point, um, bec- just because they're not telling us doesn't mean they don't know a lot more. There might be, they could be doing searches. They could be trying to talk to people who may be connected to um, a-, a suspect. Uh, all of those things, things, uh, all of those things could be happening behind the scenes without us knowing. Right,
1: Evan Press. All very helpful information. So thank you very much. Thanks. Right now, authorities are holding a news conference at a hospital that has treated many of the victims in today's parade shooting. We'll listen in.
10: You're inside the hospital, so um, go ahead. Brigham, you want to
12: do that? Sure. Doctor, can you spell your name at all, please? Yes, uh, my name is Brigham, B-R-I-G-H-A-M, Temple, T-E-M-P-L-E. I'm the medical director of emergency preparedness for the North Shore University Health System
6: and introduce yourself. My name's Mark Telemonti, T-A-L-A-M-O-N-T-I, and I'm the chairman
15: of the Department of Surgery for the North Shore System. Do you
9: want to
12: start by giving us kind of a brief rundown of what you today? Sure, uh, so for those of you who didn't hear, just a, a brief rundown of uh, what occurred today here at Highland Park Hospital. Uh, shortly after the events that occurred in downtown Highland Park, Uh, Our team here at Highland Park Hospital was notified of multiple victims that were involved in a mass shooting or casualty event. Uh, Our team very quickly activated one of our internal messaging codes called Code Yellow, which is for mass casualty and trauma response, uh, to mobilize our surgical teams to bring in other resources and within a very short amount of time started to receive a number of ambulances from the emergency medical services system. Uh, We received in total about 26 total patients, 10 of which were transported by ambulance. Uh, During that time, in a very short amount of time, uh, we had nearly 20 additional physicians and more than 20 additional nursing and support staff here in our emergency department, as well as in other areas of the hospital to help take care of the patients that were brought in. And uh, all of those uh, individuals came as a result of following our protocols. We also uh, put in a extra safety or security protocol where we locked down the hospital. Hence why we're meeting out here in the uh, parking lot as we continue to try to maintain a very safe environment in our hospital for our patients and our staff. Doctor, could you talk a little bit about the So of the 26 individuals that showed up here at Highland Park Hospital, 25 of those did sustain gunshot wound injuries. Uh, some of them were minor, some of them were, were much more severe, and some of those patients were in critical condition when they did arrive here to the hospital. Any
19: commonality between the gunshot injuries? Are they all different parts of the body?
12: They were all different parts of the body, extremities as well as other more central parts of the body as well. Yeah, so of the 25 who came in with gunshot wounds, 19 of those individuals were able to be treated and actually discharged home after they had had their full medical evaluation and treatment. Uh, Several others did arrive in more serious conditions and did have to be admitted. We had one uh, that had to be transferred over to Evanston Hospital under the care of our great neurosurgical team. Uh, We had a couple of other patients that need to be admitted to either our trauma surgical team, uh, which are represented here, as well as to some of our orthopedic trauma surgeons. Doctor, could
15: you give us an age range of the people you
12: treated? Absolutely. So, uh, the age range ranged from about eight years old was our youngest patient, uh, up to 85 years old. How
3: many children?
12: Uh, I can't give you a specific number on the number of children, but it was definitely around four or five. Well, we immediately have to make space for all these patients to come in and and hence why I commented before how we use some internal processes to mobilize resources. Our wonderful surgical and trauma staff were immediately alerted through emergency uh, messaging that we had a number of patients that were going to need emergency medical services and their evaluation. Uh, on top of that, many other emergency physicians, pediatricians, internists, surgeons, trauma surgeons, anesthesiologists, and others were also notified and mobilized to help take care of the number of patients that were coming in.
6: Your staff looks, of course, shaken up. What is this like have to do with
12: such a like, massive Well, I think, listen, there's been a, a lot of different events that have happened in the United States and and this obviously now has hit very close to home. It is a little surreal to have to take care of an event such as this, but all of us have gone through extensive training. We go through uh, a number of different uh, programs, training, we we practice for, for these events even though we hope they never happen. And so I think our team very admirably handled the situation today. Of course, we provide services that include social work, and we have others involved that our team, as well as our patients, will have a chance to talk to therapists and counselors to debrief after something that is uh, so traumatic. And
16: anyone has a loved one in the hospital, anything they need to know, or have families all been
12: notified? So families have all had the opportunity to actually come into the hospital and wait. Uh, we had liaisons working, with those uh, family members, and all of those family members have been reunited with the patients that were here and treated at our North Shore hospitals.
15: Anybody from the nursing staff that perhaps might want to talk to you?
12: Does anybody from the nursing staff want to talk? Please, I'll come. come on up. So, this is Barb Croak. Uh, she's one of our uh, emergency medicine nurses. She also does a number of administrative roles here at North Shore and has a wealth of experience
14: good afternoon tell us what it was like for the nurses here today so um we have an amazing team of nurses who every day give 1000 percent of their time and talent to their profession Uh, they uh, all immediately go into emergency mode and they're all they are trained in trauma and pediatric care as well they have extensive training they're amazing people Uh, they showed their proof in covid and now with this Absolutely upsetting and tragic mass shooting. They were the. They came to the call to duty. They were fantastic. Um, multiple nurses taking care of one patient at a time because there's family members. Emotional support is needed. Advanced trauma care. Advanced emergency care. EMS personnel. So um, amazing squad of nurses. Very proud of them. Uh, I'm very very thrilled to call them my colleagues.
1: Yes. We've been listening to an update from doctors at the hospital treating most of the victims from today's shooting in Highland Park. I want to bring in CNN's Bryn Gingras, And Bryn, I know you've been following the latest on these victims, and you just heard them there saying that the ages of those who were brought into the hospital, the 26 people, they were from ages 8 to
9: 85. 8 to 85. And listen, the good thing to come out of that was that a majority of the patients that went to that hospital, Caitlin, which is North Shore Highland Park, the nearest hospital to where the shooting occurred, have been discharged. He said 19 in all treated and discharged. But he also said that, doctor, that a majority of the patients that came in today were victims of gunshot wounds. And he said pretty much everywhere. Right. He said the limbs and the abdomen and multiple areas where gunshot wounds uh, happened to these people. Uh, and he said that, you know, yeah, those ages, four to five of them were children, uh, an eight-year-old being the youngest of the of those that age group. So certainly it's just devastating. You know, it's just admirable the work that they do so quickly. He said that the hospital went into a code yellow, uh, bringing in doctors and crisis counselors and trauma surgeons all within, I was told, about a half an hour of when this shooting took place hospital went into lockdown and then they had people doing support staff where they could reunite people who were outside the hospital in with the patients that were, were inside. So uh, certainly we know, Caitlin, that there are two other hospitals in that area. There's the North Shore Sister Hospital in Evanston, which is a trauma one. He mentioned that there was, I think he said, one patient that was transported there uh, probably more critical care was needed for that patient. And then there is a, a third hospital where we learned from the fire department people were transported as well. Uh, But certainly this gives us a clearer picture of the moments after the shooting and currently of all the patients being treated from this mass shooting.
1: Absolutely. And Bryn, you know, sometimes you have seen the chaos that happened after this shooting started. They were still in the middle of this parade. People just left behind everything. I think sometimes the concern is, are some of these injuries from the chaos that ensues, people trampling over one another, did they give an update on whether or not that was part of it or most of these just gunshot wound victims?
9: Yeah, most of them, it appears, were gunshot wound victims. And that was the initial reporting that we were getting from, again, this particular hospital, which saw most of the victims. Uh, We were told it was a vast majority of gunshot wound victims. Now, again, gunshot wound victims can be anywhere on the body, right? So it sounds like, luckily, there are some victims who were treated and were able to actually go home and they may be a part of that gunshot wound victim sort of crowd, so to speak. Um, but that, there are other injuries that we learned about, just like you're describing, Caitlin, of people who are just in chaos and confusion and getting trampled. I mean, we've seen video. I, I was watching someone uh, trying to get away when she's pregnant. Brent, absolutely. I, I want to come back to one of these victims. We are All
1: hearing from President questions. Biden. We want to see if he comments always on today's shooting.
6: To our higher heights, we've always come out better than we went in. We've been tested before, just as we're being tested today. But we've never failed because we have never walked away from the core beliefs and promises that define this nation. Chief among those promises is the proposition that we are all created equal. We say that so often the time you're a kid in school. Sometimes we wonder sometimes whether it's just rhetoric. But that's — we're an idea the only country based on an idea — not geography, not religion, not ethnicity — but an idea. We're all created equal. The laws are instituted among people to protect the vulnerable, to check those with power, and to guarantee the pursuit of justice. And to realize these promises requires a principled patriotism, a patriotism that recognizes that no person, no party, no interest can take precedent over the American project, a project that has come up short many ways but which continues even in this hour, a project that says we're all in this together and the ambitions of a few cannot be allowed to prevail over the aspirations of the many. That's how I see America on July the 4th, as big and a big-hearted place where we debate and disagree, yet we're united by a love of country. And as it's been before in our history, in times of war and division, of growth and change, the Fourth of July comes at a critical moment. Our economy is growing, but not without pain. Liberty is under assault, assault both here and abroad. In recent days, there's been reason to think that this country is moving backward that freedom is being reduced, that rights we assume were protected are no longer. A reminder that we remain in an ongoing battle for the soul of America, as we have for over 200 years. I know it can be exhausting and unsettling, but tonight I want you to know we're going to get through all of this. For all that we have faced, that we are going to get through this and look how far we've come. We're reclaiming our way of life in a pandemic. Vaccines are nearly available to every American. Restrictions lifted the 4th of July, together again at the White House. And for all the challenges, America has the strongest economy in the world. More people working and starting businesses, more young people graduating from high school and college than ever before. I just returned from an important trip, the military will understand, to Europe, to NATO meeting. We're relying on what we can do to rally the free world to defend freedom. Before I left for Europe, I signed a law, the first real gun safety law in 30 years. And things We'll get better still, but not without more hard work together. You all heard what happened. You all heard what happened today. But each day, we're reminded there's nothing guaranteed about our democracy, nothing guaranteed about our way of life. We have to fight for it, defend it, and earn it by voting to refine, evolve, and extend the calling of America to move forward boldly and unafraid. And this day reminds us of what brought us together long ago, what binds us still, and at our best, what we strive for. It's we, the people. Not a hollow phrase in America, we, the people, doing all we can to ensure that the idea of America, the cause of freedom and justice and equality, does more than survive the divisions of our time, but that it shines like the sun to light up the future of our world. I know, I know we can do this. I know many Americans look around today and see a divided country and are deeply worried about that fact. I understand, but I believe we're more united than we are divided. Even more, I believe it's a choice we make And I believe it's within our power to choose unity and unity of purpose. As I look out tonight here at the White House, I see so many military families who understand the essential American truth. It's the greatest honor to serve as your Commander-in-Chief, and Jill and I are humbled to be with you tonight. Tomorrow, we'll be bestowing the Medal of Honor, the highest military award to heroic service members represent the best of America, the backbone, the sinew, the spine of America. And on Tuesday, on Thursday, I will bestow the Presidential Medal of Freedom, the highest civilian award to extraordinary Americans who embody and endure the enduring character of this nation. All of them, all of you, are reminders that we're a great nation because we're a good people It's because of you. I've never been more optimistic about America than I am today. An optimism that digs deep, never gives up. That's America. That's America. So in this day, amid the storm and strife, may we commit ourselves to a principled patriotism, to the large and complex mission to protect and make a more perfect our union. Make real the declaration of our independence. Ensure that America is ever a place, not marked by the thirst for power at any cost, but by a covenant of trust and hope and promise. Happy Fourth of July, America. May God bless America and may God protect our troops. Enjoy the day. Enjoy. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Thanks. Thank you. We
1: just heard from President Biden speaking today after a deadly mass shooting at a 4th of July parade outside of Chicago. These are the events that were scheduled at the White House today. Of course, this shooting raising so many questions about events that are happening around the country. CNN White House correspondent M.J. Lee is now joining us live. M.J., we heard the president allude to the shooting. He didn't specifically mention what happened in Highland Park, these six victims that have been killed. But we do know the White House issued a statement Earlier today, what are they doing behind the scenes to to assist with this shooting as this investigation is underway?
4: Yeah, Kaylin. it was clear, even though, as you said, the president didn't explicitly mention this mass shooting, uh, he clearly did revise the speech a little bit to at least allude to what happened. Uh, He turned to the crowd gathered here for a picnic on the South Southmont at one point and said, uh, you all heard what happened. Uh, He also said that each day is a reminder that there's nothing that is guaranteed about our way of life. And then he spoke a little bit more broadly uh, about the country having been tested before. And he said even. Uh, From the deepest depths of our worst crises, the country has always come out stronger. So clearly trying to strike a more optimistic tone here on this July 4th celebration. Uh, But you're right that... uh, hours ago uh, earlier this afternoon we did get a statement from the president uh, expressing shock at what happened in Highland Park. Uh, Of course he said that he had spoken with the governor, the mayor, and is offering uh, federal law enforcement resources to try to track down uh, this suspect. Uh, I think it's worth pointing out it is just kind of jarring if you think about the number of times that this president has had to add a speech or put out a statement or really alter his schedule to address a national shooting uh, here in the country, even just in the last couple of months, as you know very well, uh, whether it is a school shooting in Uvalde, Texas, uh, whether it is the mass shooting at a supermarket in Buffalo, New York. And the other thing that we heard from the president just now, uh, he said, right before I left for my foreign trip to Europe, I signed into law a bipartisan gun reform law. Uh, He obviously took pride in that happening, the fact that that was able to pass through uh, Congress and on Capitol Hill, it is just so uh, rare for this kind of reform to become uh, law. And obviously, this is a president who is grappling with the reality that even uh, days after that, uh, there was another uh, mass shooting in the country. So, uh, just uh, uh, just really jarring and awful uh, that on a day like July 4th when people are gathering to celebrate uh, you saw those scenes you've been playing it over the last few hours children families running for safety uh, just really awful that this kind of thing is happening on a day like today
1: Caitlin yeah and he's referencing that legislation but we heard one of the witnesses earlier say that they believe that bipartisan gun legislation is really just window dressing that they wanted to see more change MJ Lee reporting from the White House thank you It's been a horrible human toll today in Highland Park, Illinois, where six people at least have been killed. More than 30 have been injured, including children. The ages range from 8 to 85, we're hearing from those who were treated at a hospital. And all of this comes as a massive manhunt is still underway to find the gunman. We'll talk to a criminologist about the suspect's possible motives and where he could be next. We're following the breaking news out of Illinois, where a massive manhunt is underway this hour after six people were killed and dozens more injured after a shooter opened fire during a 4th of July parade. I want to bring in Casey Jordan, a criminologist and behavioral expert. Dr. Jordan, thank you so much for joining us because obviously the first concern is with these victims. The second is this manhunt that's underway. And we're told that police are looking for a white male between 18 and 20 years old, black hair, a slight build. They say he may be wearing a blue or white shirt. Is that enough to help identify the suspected gunman?
20: It's not enough to identify him, but it is where we start with building a mass shooter typology or what we sometimes call an investigator profile. And just the fact that we are uh, going with the information that he's young, 18 to 20 years old and male and Caucasian tells us a lot already. Uh, from there, we build out and we try to figure out. And again, as Evan Perez was mentioning in an earlier report, he talked about um, the fact that they're looking at social media and, of course, video footage, everything. We're trying to figure out what could be the motivation. We believe that this shooter climbed a ladder and did the shooting with a high powered rifle from a rooftop. So a certain amount of planning went into that. After motivation, we're gonna look for anticipated gain. We're gonna look for victim selectivity, which currently appears to be random. Any victim relationship, again, they were from eight to 85 years old, so it doesn't appear to be a targeted shooting. But just because it's in a public place, Caitlin, a lot of people jump to the conclusion that it must be terrorism. And that's when you're using violence or intimidation to promote a, a political agenda. We have no indication so far that it is based on a terroristic threat. Usually somebody would get on social media or contact the media and take credit for it by now. But because it was in a public setting, on the heels of other shootings that we've seen like this, in Uvalde, uh, Texas, of course, and at the Topps grocery store, it strikes fear in our hearts. And what we really need to do is back up from that and just go through what we know. And that's what the authorities are doing right now.
1: And when you talk about the fact that they say this gunman fired from a rooftop of a nearby business, they believe he got up there from a ladder that was attached to the building in an alley behind back. And they say, you know, he was targeting these suspectors, but they said he was trying to be discreet. What do you read into that?
20: Well, let's put terrorism to the side for a moment because we know from the Boston Marathon bombing, if you want to get a lot of people, there's there's other ways to do it than with just a high powered rifle. But we would consider the possibility that this person is mission oriented, uh, filling a personal need within him, perhaps for revenge, um, but more likely for thrill, again, because it was a high powered rifle. And if it was thrill based, and because we believe that this is a young man, 18 to 20, Caucasian probably lives in the area. Um, and think about the shooters from Uvalde and from the Topps grocery store basically disaffected youth with with simmering anger, rage issues, who have a personal private life that really their parents don't know anything about and sometimes have a gun that their parents don't know anything about. So right now, in addition to the social media and to everyone collecting their video footage and, and small businesses looking at their security footage, what we need to be doing is have every family, every parent, every person out there who knows a white male, 18 to 20, who lives in that area, where was he today? Where was he this morning? Does he have a gun? Is the gun where you think it's supposed to be? Do you have that gun? And is it stored where you want it to be? That's the kind of tipster stuff, the public helping the authorities, which will get this suspect detected, isolated, and hopefully apprehended as soon as possible.
1: Absolutely. You know, that's what the community definitely wants to see, the fact that he's still at large several hours after this shooting happened during this parade. We've got a press conference. We've got a press conference starting. Thank you so much for joining us. We are going to go to our fourth update from officials.
16: MEN, and I'm the chief of police for the city of Highland Park, Illinois. On behalf of the city, we extend our condolences to the family and friends of the loved ones who were impacted by this horrific incident that took place in Highland Park this morning. Our investigators have been working tirelessly on this active shooter investigation. Through law enforcement partnerships and community information and leads, a person of interest has been identified. His name is Robert Bobby E. Primo, C-R-I-M-O Third. He is 22 years of age. He is believed to be driving a 2010 silver Honda Fit Uh, Vehicle license plate, Illinois, D. David M. Mary, 80653. We have numerous federal, state, and local law enforcement agencies working on apprehending this person of interest. We continue to receive tips from the public and law enforcement partners, and we are following up on every one of them. Individuals who have information to share with the police are urged to contact 1-800-CALL-FBI. Thank you. Quickly try to answer some questions. Please understand that
10: we have teams out very actively trying to apprehend this individual. He is considered armed and dangerous. Community should not approach him. If they see him, know his whereabouts, see the vehicle, dial 911. He we are considering him very dangerous.
15: Was it the gun or what led you to this guy's name?
10: I, I can't get into that yet, but investigative leads has have led us to this
16: point. Sorry, yep.
10: Got it. Got it. Where is he from?
16: Uh, at this time, we're just going to give you the name and license plate information. We're concerned about everybody's safety. So Robert E. Primo, C R I M O the third, 22 years of age, believed to be driving a 2010 silver Honda Fit, Illinois license plate D David M Mary eight zero six five three. Are to the shelter in place? I know that there were some changes regarding the clinic Okay, let well, me take that. Yeah,
10: go. So, what we said in our last update, that stands. The, the main area, those four square blocks, we're asking people just to remain extra diligent, stay there. We'll get police escorts outside of there, be very vigilant. This person is on the loose. We're working to try to figure out if he is local or if he is taken off to another area. We have multiple teams doing that right now. So we ask give our law enforcement some time to do their job and try to apprehend him safely. Where's he from? He's from the area. Keep From Highland a- Park? From this area, we'll have more on that later. Additionally, we will have photos going out shortly of him and a similar vehicle that uh, he is believed to be driving.
12: The first letter of his last name. C. 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 Charles Primo. Do you have any updates on no. those that were separated from um, families? We don't have
10: updates. Again, the reunification post at the Highland Park Police Department is still there. Anybody that's been separated or looking for family, they should be going there.
3: That
14: was a silver Honda
10: Fit. Fit.
3: Can you say it again, the whole name and
10: the license sure. okay. His name is Robert. He goes by Bobby. Middle initial E is in Edward. Cremo, C-R-I-M-O, the third. Uh, he's 22, and again, he's believed to be driving a 2010 silver Honda Fit, Illinois license, DM-80653. Okay, uh, about an hour, 6 o'clock, we'll be back up with more updates, and we'll let you know how our apprehension efforts are going. Thank you. Where
14: is the governor going to be
10: at that? Was- 6 o'clock, we believe. Oh,
1: that's a time down. We just got quite an update from authorities They are now the first time revealing a name of a person of interest in today's shooting in Highland Park, Illinois. They say the person they are looking for is 22-year-old Robert E. Cremo. He goes by Bobby. They say they believe he is driving a 2010 Silver Hyundai, and they are asking people for help, any kind of tips that they can get. But they say this person is considered armed and dangerous. They say they consider him to be very dangerous. I want to bring in former Department of Homeland Security Assistant Secretary Juliet Kayam, who has been with us this entire show, talking about this. And Juliet, what did you take away from that fourth update that we just got from the officials?
7: I was, I was texting with your producers that they had a name or they had an apprehension because there would be no other explanation for the delay. They have to protect the law enforcement piece of this. So just a couple things. things. Uh, one is this is a serious manhunt, but it is made easier because they have a name and they have a car. The second is they do, they did allude sec- after asked it several times, he is a local. I don't know if he's specifically from that area, but he is known uh, to the community. And, uh, and they said at the beginning, it was people coming forward. So this is another case where potentially family members and others were aware of some behavior that would explain this. We don't know if this person has a criminal record. Um, and uh, and he could be uh, uh, a different way. He could be anywhere, but based on what they said, they have a clear sense of the areas he may be in. And that's where they're looking. They promised once again another press conference in an hour um, as we've been talking, I thought that this would shut down in, in, in the ways that we want it to, right? Because there's just so much tragedy. At least this part will be over uh, probably by the by midnight because it is very hard. When you have all the law enforcement looking for you, it is often very hard to hide. So horrible, horrible day. But at least on this piece, there is some closure, beginning to be closure.
1: Yeah, they said earlier they had dozens of dogs, dozens of drones trying to help yeah. them find this person of interest that they just named for the first time, a 22-year-old male that they did say they believed is from the area. What is the time frame here? What are they trying? Obviously, they want to find this person as soon as possible. But what kind of window are they working in?
7: Uh, the, the nighttime, honestly. Uh, so it's 4:58. So we've got about three more hours of daylight. Is going to be the most important thing right now. It's going to be easier to find someone, and then we're out and about, so we'd be able to identify someone. They're releasing the picture. Right now, I think, or they said soon after. So uh, everyone uh, can be helpful, as we've seen in many of these cases, to identify uh, uh, where he may be. Uh, He does not. uh, We have not heard anything about whether he has a history. uh, But once again, the unfortunately, the shootings are semi easy. I mean, it's easy to get guns in this country. It is. It is there. There's lots of soft targets. The escape. Often isn't when law enforcement of every level, local, state, and federal, try to escape. It's very rare to have. We we know some instances, of course, but it's very rare to have someone uh, be able to hide out for very long. At the most, we recent history, uh, four days. We we certainly know um, with the Boston Marathon bombers, uh, but in other cases, uh, even so, from the past, it have been
1: quickly. Julia, what else are they doing with this information? You know, we talked about what they're making private, what they're making public. In the next minute or so, can you tell us what the authorities are doing right now with the information that they just made public?
7: They're, they're, they're building the case. So, I mean, this is the most important thing. If he's apprehended alive, he should go to jail for a very, very long time. And so what they what they were clear to say is, as you heard, we are still protecting the evidence at the crime scene. That's absolutely essential. Uh, and then the second is, who is he? Why did he do what he did? How did he get access to the guns? And is there anyone else? Is there anyone else?
1: Absolutely. All big questions. And we'll see if they're answered. Juliet, thank you so much. And you've been watching a special edition of The Lead. I'm Caitlin Collins in for Jake Tapper. And our breaking coverage of this deadly shooting in Highland Park will now continue with Wolf Blitzer in the Situation Room.
0: When you work, you work next level. When you play, you play next level.